0: So what are you reading this season? Well, with the Christmas season right around the corner, with Advent and Christmas uh, very near, what are you reading? What do you read for fun? What do you read that, that shapes your worldview? What are you reading? And what are your children reading? What is your family reading? Do you read together? We've got some great tips from our friend Allison Kuzlowski. She's a reading specialist and a guest here on Faith and Family in the past, with some great tips that helped us, especially as parents, with providing theological nurture or nurture for theological vocabulary for our children as they read. Allison, welcome back to Faith and Family.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: Pleasure to have you with us. A reading specialist helping us look at some classics, some of your favorite reads for the Christmas season. What's going on with the Kieslowski family today? What are you guys reading, or uh, what are you finished up reading, I guess, with uh, fall here, uh, summer behind us? What have you been doing when it comes to reading in the Kieslowski family?
1: Well, we've actually um, made it a point this um this fall to be reading through the book of Genesis, just mm. to make sure we revisit that. But since the Advent season is coming along um, and we're preparing, we're getting out Advent calendars and Advent reads and things, um, something I come back to frequently is a book called The Jesse Tree. It's by Geraldine McCorquan. And um, it is a story about a, old scu- a sculptor, a man who is carving these beautiful pictures into a church and a little boy kind of stumbles into the church and they have these conversations about what this old man is carving. And what he's carving is our um, pictures from the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus. And if your listeners are familiar, the Jesse tree is an Advent calendar type thing where you put a tree branch up and you make ornaments based on all the prophecies of the Old Testament leading up to the birth of Christ and um you can put up as many or as few ornaments as you want and the book goes through these different pictures of christ and it's kind of told as a story so we revisit that and it just takes us through um prophecies of the old testament and how it leads to jesus the book is pretty cute because this little boy is actually annoying the old man at first (laughs) which is very funny to kids um he wants the boy to go away he doesn't want to talk to him and slowly but surely, the boy wears them down, and they strike up this friendship, and it goes through the whole carving. And eventually, they realize that they're both lonely and that they both need Christ at the end. So it's kind of this neat, this neat Advent book. Um, so we, we look at things like that for Advent um, what are you so looking begin-
0: for when, when you're helping your children choose books? What are you looking for um, when it comes to books, especially as the seasons change? What are, what are you aiming for when you seek out books, for the family to read together or for the children to read individually?
1: Well, I try to make a clear distinction with the kids between what is the most important thing about the season, and this is for any holiday at all, um, what's the most important thing for the season is things that Christ has done for their salvation. So we emphasize that we do that, but then we also say there's a lot of fun stuff out there, and it's okay to have fun. Um, it's okay to do all the really fun things. But what really needs to come screamingly clear through the whole thing is what Christ has done for us for our salvation. So we we do silly things, we do fun things. Um, But we also try to pick things that really emphasize why Christ was incarnate. So um, we actually read some Christmas books um, that really emphasize that. I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe um, other people have noticed this, but I have a little bit of a pet peeve that children's Bibles often omit the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. Um, they They don't like the graphic nature of it. But... I think we're not really giving the kids the best Bible if we do that, because obviously that is the crux of our, um, of our faith. So I choose two Christmas books that actually include the, the crucifixion. And one is Christmas Night Fair and Bright. It's by Julie Stegemeyer, And, um, I think it's a beautiful book. The illustrations are beautiful and it's in verse. And it goes through the birth of Jesus and how he goes into Egypt. And at the end, it says um, that he's born our Savior, born to suffer, born to die. And there's actual picture of the cross. So even though it's a beautiful Christmas book and has these beautiful illustrations and it celebrates the fact that Christ is born, it also includes... The reason he came, Mm -hmm. and so even you know, in the midst of all the fun and festivities, I do think that that's important to have beautiful, age-appropriate but beautiful books that include the crucifixion. The other one that I read that includes the crucifixion in it is um, an Arch book, CPH Arch book. It's born on Christmas morn, and same thing. It goes through the birth of Christ, and you know, how he's born in Bethlehem, it's the city of David, has a lot about prophecies, but in the end it actually has a picture of the crucifixion and reminds us that it was for the cross that Christ Jesus was born. So I think it's just, it's good to um, have even small children, and those are made for very young children, those two books I just mentioned. I think it's good for them to stop and remember that in all the lights and in all the candles that we light and everything that we do, the reason we're celebrating is because our salvation has come.
0: So, what I'm hearing so, you, what I hear you say, is you aim for both beauty and truth in the things yes. that that you choose for your children to yes. read. Uh, particularly when it comes to Christmas, you're looking at not just the incarnation, but the reason for the incarnation. The, the incarnation of Christ uh, in God and man is that. Uh, that he would be crucified for our sins. If you leave that out, you only get part of the story, and part of the story isn't, well, is only part of the story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, with all the holidays, we try to make very clear, these are the essential truths of the faith. These are the things mentioned in the creed. These are the things that are laid out for our salvation. Everything else is just icy on the cake. It's just, It's fun, we get to spend time with family, we get to open presents, we get candy. Those are all wonderful things, and we encourage the kids to have fun, we want them to enjoy enjoy it, but at the same time, we're really trying to emphasize. And these books, um, I think children can appreciate also beautiful illustrations Mm -hmm. and beautiful pictures. So um, one book that we use, it's actually not specifically a Christmas book, but it's called um, The Glorious Impossible by Madeline Langle. Now, she's known for A Wrinkle in Time um, and some other stories. She's a fabulous storyteller. And she wrote a book called The Glorious Impossible. And it's the impossibility of Christ's life. Um, just that this doesn't make any sense, basically. And she actually says throughout it is, I don't you know, how do we understand that he is God and man? How do we... How do we do this? And she emphasizes that this is God loving us and sending him, and it goes all the way through. Again, it goes through the crucifixion. It goes through the Last Supper um, and the crucifixion and um, the betrayal of Judas. And it really emphasizes the fact that we don't necessarily understand the mystery of Christ's divinity and his humanity, but it's there, and it's God showing his love to us in all of these things. And the pictures in this book are taken from a chapel in Padua. They're frescoes. And so they're just absolutely stunning pictures um, with gold leaf. And just, so they're, they're actually taking pictures of walls of this chapel in Padua. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And children, even small children, just are just drawn in by these beautiful, beautiful old, old, old paintings. Um, so the words are beautiful, and the pictures are beautiful, and it gives the kids something to really digest about what Christ has done for us. So I, I really highly recommend it. It's a really, really beautiful book. She's a great storyteller, too.
0: So again, um, truth and beauty.
1: Yes. Yep. You know, well, and, and then emphasizing that other, tradi- other traditions that we have, so we have family traditions, and every family does gifts differently, and every family does... Meals differently, and that's all just absolutely fabulous. We should embrace these. We should have these traditions. As long as shining through all of it, it's, these are the beautiful things of Christ that come shining through. So, um, yeah, and the other thing is all these books that I love to read to them, they're also, we've, we've talked about this previously, but the sentence structure is... Um, a high sentence structure. So these aren't dumbing down the language for kids, even though they are for kids. So adults could enjoy the glorious impossible. There's absolutely nothing about it that a, an adult wouldn't love. Um, it, and so it's timeless. It's, the language is beautiful. Um, Langell is a tremendous writer. And so, again, we're, we're giving kids this very rich language, this story of the faith, Everything about it is wonderful. So I do add in. I don't do all um, what we would call Christian things. We certainly do read and watch, for example, the Nutcracker ballet. Um, we the girls love the ballet. My daughters um, they love the music from it. They dance for, dance to it, but they understand that this isn't um, the Christmas story. Um, but but they love it. They think it's fantastic this this magical world where things get big and people are small and um, they go to this fairyland and you know it's all this fantasy and all of this stuff we we, we certainly add that in and it's, I consider that one of the, the fun things about when we get to Christmas the 12 mm-hmm. days of Christmas adding in something like the Nutcracker ballet or um, what are the we, I even, what are ahead. the benefits
0: of of reading fantasy like that? And then, and we can talk about the 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 additional things, the um, the you know, furthering the story by going to see the ballet. But just just reading fantasy, like the Nutcracker or some others, uh, I, what are the benefits of reading fantasy, especially for maybe elementary school age children?
1: Well, I think fantasy um, helps children digest. Things that maybe in real life would be undigestible. <laughs> um, and so these are, these are stories. They understand that this is a make-believe world. Um, they understand that it's separate from ours. A lot of times animals are talking. Um, and very, very young children understand that animals do not really talk. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they, they, they know this. And so to have animals talking and doing all of these things they they can go into this other world and it helps them kind of digest so um the nutcracker is digesting kind of what bravery is and um like the reward for bravery so the nutcracker has to rescue in some versions it's clara in some versions it's maria the girl has different names in different versions but he has to, you know, there's bravery and he sacrifices himself and then they go into this other world and are rewarded by these beautiful dances. And, um, you know, and of course there's candy. So <laughs> the kids know that's a fantasy, right? Like they're going to get mounds of candy as a reward. But um, I think it just it helps them kind of process these friendships and these relationships and these character qualities that maybe they're not ready for in real life. Um, you know, I've, I, we read quite a few fantasy um, novels. One thing I actually do pull out at Christmas is Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Um,
0: uh, C.S. Lewis. Kind of an
1: interesting... Yeah, I mean, so most people would not consider Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe a Christmas book, per se. But it is set in perpetual winter, mm-hmm. and I find it really fascinating that at the end, Father Christmas comes along, which is you know the really the middle of winter that's not the end of winter and um, almost immediately there's a thaw and so c.s lewis is not trying to um put it in a good chronological order he's really saying that christmas this time of celebrating the incarnation and the gift that we've received thaws the winter of our soul and so he puts father christmas right before the thaw and when the animals see Father Christmas come through, they realize the thaw is coming. So they, they're not trying. This doesn't really make sense when it comes to where Christmas is in the winter, but it makes sense in saying, you know, look, the the thaw is coming. There's going to be, you know, this this victory at the end, and the White Witch will not be the ruler of this of this land anymore. So I think you know that, and obviously. Lion, Witch, in the wardrobe, particularly, um, you have, you know, this sacrificial sacrificial figure who comes and rescues and sacrifices himself to, to save everybody else. Um, and so I I like that at Christmas time because it it's it's kind of a fantastical world. All these animals are talking. There's all these fantastic creatures, but it still drives home the same thing we've been saying with everything else, which is we're working towards. Um, the reason that Christ is coming, um, and it's for our salvation. So that's another fantasy. Um, and I think if you looked in a lot of the fantasy books, though it's not technically considered a Christmas story, there is a lot that mm-hmm. there's a correlation. Um, we could of, spend
0: hours talking about C.S. Lewis.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, we could, and so many other fantasy um, series. We've we've actually we're in the middle of about we're in the middle of two different fantasy series. <laughs> Um, And both of them, it's, it's, you know, sacrificing oneself for the benefit of another, and there's a lot of that in a lot of these fantasy books that we read. And, you know, maybe the full force of it in real life of sacrifice and death and all these things, it's maybe too much for kids to handle, but boy, they can get into it when a squirrel is, you know, is, is sacrificing himself for his friends. They're like, oh, this is great, so... It, it pushes them towards the noble um, aspect of what's going on without being too fearsome. Now, some, some fantasy is fearsome, but um, certainly not Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I read that to the children when they were very young. Um, and The Nutcracker can be a little scary, sure. um, depending on what version what version you mm-hmm. watch. Um, some versions, my children are not interested in watching it ever again, but we've seen it live. Um, You know, and then you have the aspect of there's the whole musical score that's beautiful, and you have dance with costumes and all of that. So we we do add that into our Christmas. When, When we get to the 12 days of Christmas, we do add that in and really try to give the children a full view of all these beautiful things while still emphasizing this is what's most important. So we do make it a point to read through the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Um, And we don't actually start with Luke 2, which most people just start with Luke Mm 2, where it's just, you know, the tax and uh, Mary and Joseph have to go um, for the census. But Luke 1 has the Magnificat, Mary's response to hearing that she's going to have the the son. And we sing that in Vespers. and, um, And then later on, it's the Song of Zachariah. Um, Zechariah as he responds to the announcement of the coming of John the Baptist. And, and that song, that's a, one of the options for Matins and of, of singing his words. And so we, we try to start with Luke 1 um, to give the kids a context of these things that they've sung in these services. This is where they're coming from, and it's these people basically saying, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm just going to believe God and believe that he's good and that he knows what he's doing. And (laughs) I am at his service because, um, you know, like the inglorious impossible, that picture book I was telling you about emphasizes is we, we looking back on it, can't wrap our heads around all of it. Can you imagine being (laughs) (laughs) the people right then hearing these hearing Gabriel and, um, what, what he's announcing, you know, you just fall on your knees and repeat the words of Mary and Zechariah. So we do start with Luke 1, and then we read through Luke 2. We, t- we tend to do the King James Version um, because that's what people have heard in Charlie Brown. <laughs> that's, that's the one most people know from the Charlie Brown classic. When What is it, Linus? I like how Linus your standard himself. is
0: set by Charlie Brown.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, this is fantastic. You have to have the fun stuff, too, and we need Linus. Although, those metal Christmas trees... And Charlie Brown are the oddest thing. I don't know where. Anyway, it's so odd. But when they're trying to emphasize the commercialism, that it comes down to a metal Christmas tree. It's just so funny. Did we ever have metal Christmas trees in our house? But anyway.
0: I remember them in the 80s. I do.
1: Did did we have them in the eighties? I, I
0: remember, remember them in the eighties, yes. And particularly okay. the like the shiny ones, the shiny metal ones. Real that shiny. Yeah. That's what they
1: have in the cartoon. Yeah, we have really high standards around here. So <laughs> Charlie Brown Christmas. But it is, you know, it is I think just in culture, that's something that people are familiar with. And if they're gonna watch something at Christmas time, sometimes they watch that and there's Linus. He stands up and he quotes Luke too. And um, so we do try. We try to do that so that the the girls realize where where some of the stuff is coming from. But yeah, I guess that's that's part of the fun. We what, there's fun stuff you can do too.
0: At what ages do you read together as a family? At what ages do your children read independently um, in in your household?
1: I have um, a fifth grader, a third grader, a first grader and a preschooler currently right now and we absolutely do both my first third and fifth graders can read independently they have a whole stack of books they're reading by themselves but we always have a series we're reading aloud and um i think i think research um fairly well um, supports the idea that reading aloud should be done at all ages i think that children And adults who listen to books. So it doesn't have to be a parent reading aloud. We just listen to an audio book together. Um, But if they're hearing great language, they'll be better writers. And it's just fun. It's a social experience to read together. You have a shared experience. And so when something happens, I'll say, well, that's like so-and-so in that book. Um, And everybody knows what I'm talking about. And I don't have to explain it and everybody has that shared vocabulary so they all have their own series some they're reading that no one else will read but we always have something we're reading together and in fact my fifth grader yesterday said i don't have a book to read and i said well do you want to (laughs) start the book three of the series we're reading she's like absolutely not we have to read that together so um yeah absolutely i I intend to read as a family for as long as we are in under the same roof um I think it makes, I do, I think it makes um, better writers. Um, I think it gives a shared language. And it's always, this, what they read independently has to be sentence structure that they can, and vocabulary that they can absorb. But if I'm reading aloud, I can phrase it a certain way or define a word that they might not know. And my first grader can follow along in something that's written at an eighth grade level because I'm kind of helping with the phrasing and helping with the paragraph. And we just finished, we just read recently, The Hobbit. That is way, way above my first graders reading ability. And she got lost a few times, like, who's doing what? What's happening, (laughs) who is that? I don't know what's happening anymore. But I can explain to her, oh, that's the wolf. And you know, this is where The Hobbit is. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it now. And we keep going. So there's no way a first and third grader are ready to pick up The Hobbit, but together we can sit and work through it and they can enjoy the adventure. So We yeah, found I, I,
0: for road trips that audiobooks are fun for the family yes. um, or or books <clears> on CD where my son can follow along in the book and uh, mm-hmm. we can play it on a CD in the car. And uh, th- those have worked well for road trips.
1: I love that for road trips. My daughters actually, um, we discovered they were feeling really sick when we drove someplace. And I thought, oh, maybe they have motion sickness like that. We had let them watch a video. And they were having headaches. They were not feeling that great. We switched over to audiobooks, completely took care of it. Um, We have, and so we listen to audiobooks, and they are in good mood. They (laughs) don't feel bored. I mean, we're all doing it together. Um, And it's just, you know, you can pick something that's really fun. And, um, yeah, and then for younger kids, pick an audiobook where it has the picture book mm-hmm. that they can look at and what um, that... my older daughters you know do other things with their hands they might <laughs> sew or do clay or play with legos or something
0: well, we have just about a minute but what the those uh-huh. you know reading to children or listening to audiobooks together uh, even as an adult listening to audiobooks, i think just i think grows the imagination i you mentioned c.s lewis earlier the lion the witch in the wardrobe and and uh i I had been wanting to read some more CS Lewis I've only read a little bit of CS Lewis and uh, finally found the uh, some of the audiobooks or the books on CD from our library so mm-hmm. uh, currently jumped into the magician's nephew and gosh I, it just paints a picture in my mind and I'm jumping in the pool with them you know as yeah. I'm as I'm listening to the story my child's not even with me I'm listening to this and I you know jumping well, I, into the the story with um, them just about a half a minute uh, left mm-hmm
1: a really good audiobook too. The voice actor has amazing voices. True. And it just it brings the book to life. It, it's wonderful. Yeah, I highly recommend it.
0: It was probably about the tenth time that we listened to the Gruffalo when I realized that it was the same person reading all the different voices in the Gruffalo. It's
1: amazing. <laughs> They're absolutely some of the most talented people.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't I love it I couldn't believe it I was wow that's impressive the same guy doing all four or five voices in this mm-hmm. in this book Allison always fun to talk with you thank you so much for so the much tips fun. and uh, and God's blessings on your Christmas reading and Advent reading reading right around the corner Allison Kislowski, reading specialist thanks for being my guest today
1: thank you so much
0: coming up in just a little bit Thy Strong Word right here on the Messenger of Good News worldwide KFuo. You've been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Faith and Family is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift.